following resource is from Welford Baptist Church. Well, grab your copy of God's Word and find the New Testament book of Mark. We're going to be in chapter 16 for our message this morning, Time for a New Beginning. Mark is the second book in the last half of the Bible. It immediately follows Matthew, so I hope you'll turn there and I hope you'll keep your open Bible open in front of you during this message. One time a father and his young son went on an overnight camping trip. It was the first time for the boy. While it was still dark, the father arose and started a fire. Then he aroused his sleeping son. After protesting a bit, the boy got up. He stood near their fire trying to keep warm as they waited. He knew what they had come to see, the sunrise. And soon it began, the blackness in the east gradually turned to gray, then gray turned to blue. The image of a lake and and shadowy trees began to emerge out of the darkness. Finally, pink, violet, and orange hues emerged in the east over the pines. Suddenly, the entire area was flooded with beautiful light. They watched this spectacular display in silent awe. Finally, the boy could stand it no longer. He turned to his dad, and with wonder in his eyes, he said, Do it again, Dad. Do it again. Easter can be a lot like that for us, can it? I mean, Jesus has overtaken the darkness. He's overthrown evil. He's given us a miraculous, spectacular event that has since amazed the world. Yet so often throughout history and throughout our own lives as well, we'd like to see that miracle again. And so we cry out to God, do it again, Lord, do it again. Well, the good news this morning is that God does perform miracles each and every day, and Easter is the proof of that. Easter is the time for new beginnings, a new start. I think we could all use a fresh start, could we not, after all we've been through since last Easter? Think about it. Last Easter, we were not gathered together in this place in person. We were isolated and locked down in our homes. We were unsure about the future. We were uncertain about what would take place next. But since then, many of us have faced COVID-19 and have built up natural antibodies in our systems. Others have taken the vaccine to receive immunity from the disease. And now there's this sense of optimism and a sense of hope that's in the air. That COVID is being eradicated before our very eyes. We need community with one another. And while we know that the Lord uses natural immunity and vaccines and other forms of medicine and treatments, we also know that ultimately all healing comes from the Lord. And so, we give God the credit and the glory for the victory that we see taking place in our lives today. I think each of us would like to see victories in other areas also. As when we witness the awful and tragic news like the shooting of the Capitol Police officers this past Good Friday. We pray for the officer's family that was killed And we pray for the officer who is fighting for his life and recovering from his injuries. Sometimes we can just be overwhelmed by the evil that's in the world today. In fact, we can be overwhelmed by personal problems, financial difficulties, 
physical, emotional, or spiritual challenges. And we yearn to see a miracle and a hope of a a new beginning, a resurrection, so to speak. The wonder of joy that Easter brings. And Easter peace does not mean that you'll be in a place of peace and everything around you will be peaceful. No, it means you can have a, a peaceful heart in the midst of trouble. In the midst of distress and burdens, suffering will continue to be with us, but so will the resurrection. You should have an outline to follow along in your programs. Let me encourage you to pull that out and fill in these spaces of truths we find in God's Word. Here's the first one. Our big idea. We're quick to ask why people suffer when the far more significant question is why should God have to suffer? What we fail to realize many times is that God suffered as he watched his one and only son die on that cruel cross. Suffering exists, first and foremost, not for us, but for Christ. Although man's rebellion was the original cause of suffering in the world, Jesus' obedience is the final cure. Without the sacrifice of Christ, suffering would would be meaningless, We would all just suffer with no hope of a a new start, no hope of victory, no hope of a new beginning. Therefore, it can be said that all suffering was aimed from the very beginning primarily at Jesus. So to that end, it was established, the Bible says, before the foundation of the world, that Jesus would take the suffering of our sins upon himself in our place on the cross. Obviously, we suffer from time to time, but it's only on its way to him because of what he took on the cross. At the cross, Jesus received our pain, and at the cross, he took the punishment of our sins. And it's so important to acknowledge and remember this because it corrects something that we sometimes in our limited perspective fail to understand. And here it is, Christ doesn't just share in our suffering, we share in his. God doesn't simply enter into our pain, we enter into his. Listen to the words of Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and to share in his sufferings. When we get to to heaven, when when we begin eternity after this life, I believe we're going to be able to look back and reflect on the life here on this planet and we're going to see that There's no truer or more accurate viewpoint than to recognize we shared in the sufferings of Christ. Now, we're going to see no signs of of on our bodies of any suffering, but it's obviously going to be on his. We're going to see his side where they thrust in that spear. We're going to see his nail-scarred hands. And it's going to be a reminder forever that he suffered and and sin hit its mark on the cross for us. The miracle that exploded into the world that we celebrate this Easter morning does repeat itself every day. Every time the sun rises, each time the grass turns green again, and you have to cut it, (laughs) and the buds begin to bloom on the trees, every time a a grief-stricken person is able to pick up and carry on after the loss of a loved one, 
Each time a, a deeply ill or struggling individual finds themselves and finds health and returns from the hospital in order to have victory over the hopelessness and despair that he or she was facing. You see, the miracle of Easter does repeat itself every time a broken relationship is mended. It does reoccur every second of every day, every moment in our lives. We just have to look for it. We just have to find it. We just have to to see it as it's there. We're regenerated. We're transformed by the resurrection, by the power of God and the grace of heaven that it accomplishes in our lives. So I'm glad on this Easter morning that we're able to gather together, together again in person in this place to claim spiritual victories. We gather to witness the defeat of the powers of darkness by the sun, S-O-N, because of what Jesus did by rising from the dead. It's time for a new beginning. Let's read God's word and then apply it to our lives. Follow along in your Bibles as I read Mark 16 verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You see Jesus of Nazareth who was you seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen, he is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to the Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So here's our first truth we see from our text, and that is, as early as you rise, seek the risen Lord. Look at verse 2. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. As I was preparing the message for today, I, I originally wrote this point out to say this, rise early and seek the risen Lord. But then I thought about those of you I know who don't normally rise early, okay? So I adapted it to capture the essence of the truth. As early as you rise, seek the risen Lord. One of my favorite illustrations of Easter is uh, of a pastor giving a children's sermon on an Easter Sunday morning much like this. And the pastor asked the kids, can anyone tell me what happened on Easter? And there's Dad. He raises his hand tentatively and he says, they killed Jesus. That's right, says the pastor. And then what? The little boy continues, this time with more confidence, they put him in the ground. Right, the proud pastor affirmed. And then what? And he was there for three days. And then what? And on Easter, he comes up out of the ground. Wonderful, the pastor joyfully agreed. But then the little boy adds, and if he sees his shadow, there's going to be six more weeks of winter. I think we've all felt some of that winter these past few days as the temperatures have dropped into the 20s, right? The Lord says in Proverbs 8, 17, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Expecting to see nothing more than Jesus' dead body in their time of depression, defeat, and discouragement, these ladies rise early, and they go to the grave. 
As they went to seek what they thought would be a deceased Lord, how much more then should we be willing to seek what we know is the living Lord each day? If you feel as though you're in the dark now, think about these ladies. Rise early, seek the risen Lord. For those who seek him will be able to understand and experience what resurrection is all about. In the midst of Easter bunnies and Easter eggs, it's easy to get distracted by the real meaning of this holiday, isn't it? To be honest, when reading the story we just read today of the three women who go to Jesus' tomb early in the morning, they forget some truths themselves that they should have remembered. They were very close to Jesus after all. Jesus had told them that he must die, but then that he would rise after three days. They had walked and talked with him for a long period of time. And as Jesus had, as Jesus had told them, they should have remembered it. In a way, it's, it's kind of unbelievable that they didn't. That's what we can learn from this, this story this morning. This morning, all around the world, pastors are delivering messages about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we want to remember what this resurrection is all about. And they're going to deal with this passage from different viewpoints. In our study this morning, let's begin by focusing on the stone that was rolled away. So write this down. Stones are not rolled away for the benefit of Jesus, but for the witnesses to the resurrection. As the women made their way to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, the question comes up, who will roll roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? You see, the stone was a barrier. It was going to keep them from doing what they had come to do. The stone was used to keep out, not to keep in. We know Jesus could walk through walls, so the angel didn't need to roll the stone away in order to let Jesus out, but to let the ladies in. When Jesus arose... He was in his resurrected body, and the body of the spiritual dimension that he was in had no physical bounds. However, the witnesses needed to enter the tomb to see the truth. And the the stone was rolled back for their benefit. Listen, we're witnesses to the resurrection as well from the testimonies that we read in God's Word, from the experiences that we have from God as he touches our heart. So the benefit of stones being rolled away for us today is for us. There are stones still covering tombs today. Hardened hearts, half-hearted hearts, apathy, unconfessed sin, bitterness, unforgiveness, indifference. These are all self-imposed stones that cover the tombs of our lives and act as barriers to keep people out. They keep God from even doing what he wants to do in each of our lives. But think about this. Tombs are for dead people. The women coming to anoint what they thought would be the dead body of Jesus. Tombs contain that which is dead, not living. So today on this Easter holiday, we're called to think about tombs and the stones that cover them. Easter reminds us of death, but also also hopefully of life. Matthew 20. 3 verse 27 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. 
Tombs in biblical days were apparently used again and again. The Gospels of Matthew, Luke, and John report that the tomb of Jesus that he was laid in was, was new. And it gives us the impression that tombs were oftentimes used by different people. And sin can be like those tombs. If we're not careful, sin will consume us and it will make us a grave full of deadness and rottenness over and over and over again. So what is the cure to stones standing in the way of our tombs? Well, stop trying to remove the stones standing in your way and let God deal with them. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. So as the women approached the tomb, in their amazement, the stone has been removed. The stone could really signify all the efforts of all the enemies of Jesus, for the stone itself had the insignia and the seal of the Roman Empire. Question, how did this very large stone get rolled away? God did it. How do we know this? The Bible tells us so. Listen to the words of Matthew 28 too. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Another question. How will the stones get rolled away in our lives? God will do it. He's still rolling stones away today. What stones are separating you from God this morning? Is it a stone of anxiety? A stone of past mistakes? A stone of fear and doubt? A stone of an uncertain future? A stone of trouble and problems, perhaps? I heard somebody say, I've got problems, but I'm not sure how many problems I have because math is one of my problems. (laughs) Here's the lesson for us. Don't allow anything to come between you and a close personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Open your heart to him today. Turn your worries over to the Lord. Turn your cares and concerns over to him. Don't hold on to them any longer. They're going to weigh you down. They're going to burden you and eventually they're going to destroy you. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you can be saved today. By the power of God, He loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you on the cross. And in your sin, you can celebrate this day by becoming a Christian. You can repeat a prayer in the stillness and quietness of your heart. And if you say it with all sincerity, God will hear you and He will welcome you into His forever family. You just simply say a prayer like this one and mean it from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, I know it's true. I've fallen short of your standard. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I'm a sinner, and I'm truly sorry for that. Today, I acknowledge Jesus as Lord, and I believe that you sent him to die in my place. Thank you for paying the death penalty that I deserve so that I could go to heaven and that I could have abundant life now. Please, come into my life. Come into my heart. And save me. From this moment, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. You have to say those exact words. But you have to mean it from the bottom of your heart that you're truly surrendering your life to Christ. And during our response time, if you said a prayer like that, we want to hear from you. Come and let us know. If you're watching online, if you said a prayer like that, shoot us an email and let us know about your decision.
If you've already said a prayer like that, you're already a believer, you're, you're a Christian, then here's Christ's challenge to you and me today. Go and tell the good news that Jesus is alive. Share the gospel. Rejoice in the fact the stone's been rolled away and let others know why you're rejoicing. Make a new commitment today to follow Jesus and live for him. Have a new start. Enjoy a new beginning. God's grace is so good that he's given you another day to have another chance to live for him. And here's the key. You don't have to try to live for him under your own power, no. The Lord goes before you, and as you will see him moving, all you have to do is show up. Look at verses uh, 6 and 7 again. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. The women, they simply showed up at the tomb. And when they did, they encountered not the tomb of the dead, but an empty tomb that declares life. For Jesus was not dead, he's alive. And he's still wanting to breathe life in empty tombs today. The angel tells the women to go, tell his disciples and Peter that you've seen him. And the instructions for us are not much different today. We're to go. And we're to tell people that Jesus lives. We've seen him in the pages of scripture. We've seen him at work in our own lives and in the lives of so many others. And we want to join him in what he's doing in the world in the hearts and lives of other people. So you just have to show up at church. You just have to show up for your quiet time where Jesus is waiting for you. You just have to show up when called to serve in the church. You just have to show up where people are and share the good news of the gospel. Our response song during our invitation time today is the blessing. And part of its lyrics go like this. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. In these verses from Mark's gospel, the angel simply says he's been raised. He's not here. Look, here's the place they laid him. Where was he? His presence had gone on ahead of them. Those words, he is not here, are really the high point of our text. The resurrection of Jesus was not only confirmed by Jesus' appearance on earth, but the resurrection was also confirmed even after the ascension when Jesus continued to work in the hearts and lives of people after he went back to the Father. And he continues to do so today the heart of the message today the proof of the resurrection is the difference Jesus Christ makes in the lives of people today the difference he makes in your life and mine Romans 6 4 says this therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead for the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life Romans 6, for the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. His resurrection can make all the difference in our lives. And that's important because there are so many times when our world changes. 
Our circumstances are turned upside down and we need God's help. I struggle at those times as much as anybody else does. Many of you know what it's like. You've lost loved ones. You've faced battles even in recent days that no one else knows about. So many struggles we face are personal and private, maybe health-related, maybe dealing with relationships or some kind of inner turmoil. But Easter says you don't have to face those struggles alone. Jesus promised to be with us, and so we'll not only have to face life, but we can face it with the presence of Jesus. And we not only have to face death, but we can face it with the presence of Jesus. Easter says when the end of this life comes, it's not really the end of life forever. Life continues with Christ. Bob Bennett wrote these words. In the still of a Sunday morning, a grave stands open wide and a promise kept while the world slept means that no one is inside. The tomb of Christ is empty. Jesus is still alive. And he wants to empty the tombs in our lives and leave them empty. All we have to do is turn to him. In 1922, Howard Carter made what is probably the greatest archaeological discovery in history. He found the ancient tomb of the Pharaoh known as Tutankhamun, or King Tut. This was significant because unlike other tombs that had been emptied by grave robbers, this tomb was full of priceless artifacts as well as the body of King Tut himself. It took eight years to remove and document the contents of the tomb. The mummified remains and its treasures were sent all over the world. And millions upon millions of people have filed past in line for hours to catch a glimpse of a dead king. The whole world celebrated because that tomb was not empty. As Christians, we celebrate today because Jesus' tomb was empty. It's time for a new beginning. When the tomb of Jesus was discovered by these women 2,000 years ago, they expected to find a body, but instead they were told he's not here, he's risen. And the empty tomb of Jesus Christ is filled with more reason to celebrate than the full tomb of King Tut. Matthew says that the women ran back to town with great joy to tell everything that they had heard and seen. The risen Christ had even met Mary Magdalene on the way. Luke says the women ran back and excitedly told the disciples what had happened. Mark, however, tells things a little bit differently. In verse 8, And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The most reliable early manuscripts of Mark stop right there at verse 8. Whether the writer of Mark intended to stop there so abruptly or not is debatable. What is clear, however, is that these women were overwhelmed by their fear of that moment. In their grief and despair, they were suddenly the first persons to be witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it was an awesome reality that just overtook them. They were afraid. Maybe you're thinking right now, what, what a terrible way to end such a spectacular story. How could that happen? How could they feel that way? Why, why does Mark end on such a down note? I personally think that Mark's gospel ends in most manuscripts because the story is meant to be open-ended. 
In my mind, I think most of us would have reacted just like these women did, according to Mark. Like these women, we've got to decide, what are we going to do with Easter? What are we going to do with the resurrection as he goes before us? We'll not find him in the places of our own choosing, nor will we find him when we occasionally stop by the church on a, on a service on Sunday to pay our respects. No, Jesus is going out before us every day, and we've got to stay close to him. That's where we'll find him. Yeah, sure, it's a little scary, but according to Jesus, it's the only way to live. On this Easter, remember how you were delivered and enjoy and rejoice in the risen Lord because he was raised, you too, can have new life. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our church, visit welfordchurch.org. Blessings.